Hello and welcome to Loud and Clear, a podcast by Richard Zlerma, where we talk to people who give a shit about advertising. My name is Emily Puig. I am a digital strategist here at Richard Zlerma, but I am actually not your host today. Through Richard Zlerma's creative partnership with SMU, we've enlisted several bright young students from the Temerlin Advertising Institute to host this week's episode. We accompanied several of them to Portland, Oregon, where we visited the Nike World Headquarters and met with today's guest on the podcast, Mark Patrick, Senior Director of Global Brand Communications at Nike. This is really an incredible conversation. We are so excited that you all tuned in to give it a listen. This is the SMU Meadows podcast. We are four Tamerlan Advertising Institute students catching up with Mark Patrick, SMU Advertising alum of 93 and Senior Director of Global Brand Communications at Nike. I'm Caleb Mulligetta, an advertising major under the creative track. I'm Marion Kennedy, a strategic brand management. And I'm Susan Slayton. I'm also on the strategic brand management track. And I'm Wyatt Welch, also in the strategic brand management. Today, we have the pleasure of catching up with Mark Patrick. He is a senior director of global brand communications for Nike and a fellow SMU advertising alum. So, you're the senior director of global brand communications at one of the world's largest brands, Nike. We're curious about your day-to-day role. Please tell us. Wow. All right. Well, first of all, hey, good to see you. Hi. Guys. Good to see you see again, you. too. Mustangs in the house. Yes. I love pony it. Up. Pony up. Yeah, pony up. Uh, <laughs> great to be with you guys. Um, yeah, that's a good, it's a great question. So my role uh, is Senior Director of Global Brand Communications. And I guess the best way to describe it is uh, the global marketing organization at Nike is, is comprised of kind of three big buckets, right? So there's, there's actually about 13 categories. That's mm-hmm. our category offense, 13 or so. There's our geographies. So there's, um, there's teams in, obviously in North America. There's a team in Europe. There's a team in China, Greater China, and mm-hmm. then Asia Pacific, Latin America. So there's four big geographies. And then the third big bucket is functions, like all your marketing functions, right? So um, there's several of them. And, and one of them is global brand communications. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously a really big, important <laughs> one. It's yeah. advertising, but it's uh, advertising and beyond. And, uh, and that's, the, that's the area that I'm in. And so we are basically, uh, the, we like to call ourselves the, the master storytellers, if mm-hmm. you will. So we, get, we create the stories that create impact for the brand. And uh, we work across all those buckets that I just mentioned to create inspiration for the consumers and talk about our athletes and get people to, to be more active in sport. So I, I basically, I'm a senior person in that area. And then, uh, and, then, and then I guess more specifically, I lead uh, teams that handle our JDI campaign. So Just Do It campaigns, our platform, our at Nike platform, so right. a lot of our digital storytelling that ends up on our at Nike handles on Instagram, et cetera, yeah. um, and uh, the creative content that gets produced to create uh, stories around that. And then also just leading our, our uh, a lot of our work that we do with our key partners, which I think you spent some time with at White and Kennedy, mm-hmm. and managing those guys um, who've been you know legendary uh, with us since the beginning. And so mm-hmm. I work I work directly with those guys quite a bit. And you have such a huge role here at Nike and contribute to the growth of the brand. How did you land this dream job? <laughs> <laughs> so I've been at Nike for 20 years now. You know, I started in the agency world, right? Mm-hmm. So I started at, on, at three different ad agencies when I, after I graduated from SMU. And then, um, you know, when I graduated, I, I, gosh, I wanted, to, I wanted to be in advertising. I knew that, but I always was ambitious. I always wanted something else to, mm-hmm. 
to, to, to come about. I wanted to grow and, and try things, and I wasn't afraid to get out of my comfort zone. So, you know, while I had the start on the agency side, I always wanted more. I was always just, just ambitious. And so in the last agency I worked at, last of the three, um, at DDB, uh, I worked on the McDonald's business. And when I was working on the McDonald's business, we did a lot of the work with the NBA. We did things with McDonald's had partnerships that were sports properties. And so I was an account guy at an agency working on that part of the business. And so that last piece of work that I did kind of really expanded my network into the sports world, into the sports marketing world. Mm-hmm. And, and when that happened, I was you know, not only following my passion around advertising, but also around sport. And so lo and behold, I met some Nike executives in Chicago in the local office and I began start, I to start working at Nike in the local office mm-hmm. in Chicago, their regional office at the time. This was 20 years ago, over 20 years ago, <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, and um, you know, from there, the Nike journey began. And so while at Nike, I've done a lot of things, mostly in marketing, mm-hmm. but also other areas like retail, product and footwear. I was a footwear director in the running category, mm. which was near and dear to me because of my track background um, and um, and moved around to a lot of the different uh, offices around uh, the globe and different parts of the business. And so all of those different experiences I had at Nike um, led me, you know, working in different categories as well, all led me to, to the job that I'm at now, mm-hmm. um, which is great because it's kind of full circle. Brand communications is very close to advertising. It is. It includes advertising, but having done all the different areas of the business that I've done, it's great to be here now because it puts it all together in a fast, ever-changing, growing, hard-to-define world. Mm-hmm. Um, so here I am. So all all those things led me <laughs> to what you call the dream job. I don't know that I always think it's a dream job. <laughs> some days it's uh, it's tough, but mm-hmm. that's just life. <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned that you were very ambitious. So how does it feel to now have this large role at Nike, like how does it feel to have that, you know, that job on your shoulders? It's like a lot of things in life I think you get you take for granted, mm-hmm. you know, it's just I still I always tell people I, I love Nike, I love the brand, I love what I do, but it's still a job. I mean, it's a job, right? It's a it's a I'm a one of 74,000 employees here. It's a really important one. Um, and I'm, I'm blessed to have the job, but it's also just one part of my of, of what I of my life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, I, it's fantastic, you know, because you you definitely pinch yourself sometimes when you're walking through the airport and you you look at everybody's feet and you see shoes and you see things that you worked on or you see a T-shirt or you see, you know, somebody with a post or a tweet responding to something that you know where it's I know where it started I know where it came from you know it might have been an idea I woke up and thought about on my way in from work and it manifested itself in a campaign or that's the result of a big argument we had at Wyden and Kennedy and look what happened, you know. <laughs> so those things, are, those, are the mo- those little moments are, are what keep you going. It's amazing. And that, ha- that happens all the time. You're just like, yeah, you just kind of laugh to yourself. It's <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> and as you know, three of us are about to be seniors at SMU right. studying advertising. And we're so curious, when you were in our shoes one year from graduating, what was your master plan? <laughs> I don't know if I had a master plan um, <laughs> when I was in your shoes, but I definitely, um, when I, I did things at SMU when I was around your age that just exposed me to a lot of things. And I, and I remember, you know, my parents, teachers, mentors all saying, you know, just, just 
follow the things that you enjoy. Follow your passions. Follow what you love. You know, uh, make sure you're enjoying what you do because you got your whole life in front of you. And so, you know, that that led me to, to advertising, and that led me in, into that space. I think um, as I got closer into senior year, and I thought about, you know, what are you going to do with it? You know, I said, well, I do want to continue to follow my passions, and I want. I had internships. I had an internship actually at the Dallas Morning News. Uh, doing little retail ads in the newspaper, which you guys will laugh at today, right? <laughs> think back to it's like, what? what's that? What the hell still reads a newspaper, right? <laughs> but I learned a lot from those things, and so my my plan was to get a job at an ad agency. I wanted to work at the Richards Group. I wanted to work wherever I could get Timberl- wherever I could get a job, but an agency because I had those experiences, the Dallas Morning News, as well as you know trips to New York where I visited the agency, Saatchi and Saatchi. I did all these all these things that I kind of saw. A vision of what I thought I wanted to do. I wanted to be a professional in this space. I was glad I landed in advertising because it balanced the creativity with a with a bit of a real business sense. It's like okay, I could please my dad too. It feels like a real <laughs> feels right. real and tangible. Um, so the only master plan I had was just the, the thought of following, being happy, following what I enjoy. You know, doing something that actually influences people and it moves consumer behavior. And that and that was my my thought. What that perfect job was, was to be determined. And um, I think what I also knew in my mind was that, and I had learned at SMU as well as, you know, just in life is that things are going to change. So whatever I start to do right when I graduate, it's probably going to change. And, uh, you know, I, I, I did have that thought. So my thought was the, my plan, going back to your question, was to, you know, to really be able to embrace that because yeah. it's, it's not going to be the same yes. <laughs> over time. That's very good. Yeah. So you graduated from SMU in 1993 from the Meadows School of Arts with an advertising major Just and an African American. Put my date, my numbers out there. <laughs> 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 wow. Facts out. I got all the facts. No secrets. <laughs> so with an African American studies minor, how did your time at SMU prepare you for your job at Nike? It it prepared me in in so many ways. I mean, I think. Uh, I remember Dr. Kendrick. I know you're going to ask me about my favorite teacher, probably. <laughs> but doctor, I'll, I'll just go there right away. Because Dr. Kendrick always said to me, you're a good writer. And she's like, I don't know what you're going to do when you get out of here, but keep writing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, you know, she said that. But I guess, I mean, I learned, I learned to be a good writer at SMU. That's not just the advertising, you know, classes and communications, but all the fundamentals, you know. Mm-hmm. So... I didn't realize it at the time when I was your age, but looking back on it now, the preparation came from all of that. You know, that was really what has helped me, the, the great fundamentals that I learned at SMU. And, you know, and just, you know, getting exposed to different things, whether it's class trips, the internships that I had, the students, the friends that I had. African American studies was also a passion of mine um, that certainly helped my career because again it kind of goes back to the things as I mentioned earlier just following what you love following what your interests are so it afforded me the opportunity to do that both advertising african-american studies things that were always going to be true to me and so I was able to build up on that you know throughout my career you know working at agencies working on agencies that focused on an african-american market you know um, at one point in my career and even today at Nike you know certainly touches on on that background that I have that built all built from those SMU days so. so at SMU we've got some great professors that are always looking out for students you know, like Sandy putting together this interview <laughs> and like securing future opportunities for us um, you mentioned Dr. Kendrick was your favorite professor at SMU so like 
what like impact did she have on you? What was like the greatest lesson that you learned from her? Dr. Kendrick is definitely a special person. Oh, yes. It's great <laughs> that she's still there and still creating all, creating the future, if you will. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, that's amazing. Um, I think what I learned from her were many things, but probably the thing that sticks out in my mind was um, she always taught me to give a little bit more. Hmm. She always, I can remember, just whatever it was, whatever the assignment was, whatever the ask was from a professor or a partner or another student was to, to answer, but to do a little extra, was to always, always go beyond and stretch beyond what's expected. Um, so that was one, and then along with, you know, she, she also, as you can imagine in her fun, Dr. Kendrick way would always say, you know, well, you don't know until you try, you know, yeah. if you had a question, she'd be like, you ask her something and she'd be like, I don't know, why don't you try? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I do remember saying that. I think she still says that to me to this day. <laughs> she hasn't changed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's one of everybody's favorite professors, especially in the advertising school. Also, one of our favorite parts about being in Timberland is the fact that the class sizes are so small. We really get to know everybody. Like All of us here have been in so many classes together. We can throw a pin at anyone at any point in the class. So you've mentioned that you were a track athlete at SMU back when you were there. How did that inform your work ethic as a student athlete? In every way. Um, <laughs> discipline, right? right? It certainly gave me quite a bit of discipline. When I was in college, I used to think you know, it's tough to have track practice in the Texas heat at 3.30 every day. Mm. Can't think of a hotter place to be than track <laughs> at 3.30 yeah. every day, all year long. Um, on the other hand, I used to think about, gosh, I don't know what I would do without that. That really dictated when, my, when I had classes, you know, uh, when I ate and how I got through my day, how I got through my routine. And so that discipline that that gave me is something that, you know, helps to this day. I think probably most people at Nike would say, yeah, Mark is a kind of a easy, like, routine, regimented type person. Yeah. It's because of those early days, you know. And, um, and you know, that, help, that helps in life and just, just you know, habits sort of helps, helps you uh, grow and, and, and be at your best. And so um, track definitely helped that. And then I think, you know, the obvious one is just... Staying fit and staying healthy, yeah. you know, uh, and, and and it's it's right into the heart of, of what we do at Nike is, is you know sport makes it a better world, and so that's definitely a part of my big part of my life. Which you know, without those days of running track at SMU, you know, wouldn't I wouldn't be as passionate about as a, if I hadn't done that. Yeah. Do you ever run the track around this campus? Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. yeah, the Michael Johnson <laughs> track. You that? Yeah, it was yeah. Really yeah, yeah. Did you did you go see his statue and everything? We didn't see him. Gold shoe. There's a right at the at the starting line. There's a statue of, of MJ and Michael Johnson in with gold shoes. So. Oh, I'd have to run that next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah, or around campus, you can run. There's trails and yeah. And so, so as a former track athlete, you know there are those stories that we never forget. What's your best track story at SMU? <laughs> a funny one. Uh, <laughs> It's embarrassing, but I'll I'll go ahead and, and give you <laughs> guys a little yes. chance to laugh. Uh, All right. But my, um, so I, I was a track, I was a sprinter. I ran the 200 and 400. Mm -hmm. This was the old days of the Southwest Conference, which was a great conference. There were a lot of big track meets at all the schools around the South, South um, uh, region. And my very first meet at Arkansas, University of Arkansas, big school, big meets, the invitational meet, and the coach 
put me in an open 400. It's like this freshman, he's pretty good. He's been doing great at practice. You know, let's, let's go ahead and do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, boy, was I nervous. <laughs> oh man, I was so nervous. And, and mind you, I'm lining up against fast, some fast athletes, right? Yeah. Who, were, who were in that conference at that time. And I, uh, you know, you, you know, when you when you do sports, you do have lots of routines, and you get nervous, and you go to the bathroom a lot, and all these things. You, you know, <laughs> as a runner, you drink tons of water, oh, yeah. right? Even as a sprinter. Uh, so I was on the, I was, I was there, I was at the starting blocks, ready to run. And it's an, in, this was actually an indoor meet, so it's my first meet because of the winter season, because the spring season hasn't gone in. So my very first meet, it's an indoor track, so it's two laps around, to uh, to make a four hundred. And I was in the starting blocks. On your marks, get set, and I, I literally, I just, I just started. I went to the bath. I just started peeing. <laughs> I still had to go, and I was just there, and I was like, well, I can't do anything else. But it was, I, I, I literally, you know, 17 years old, actually 18 years old, and and did it. But then the gun went off, and then I ran, and I, and I went out really hard on that 200. Yeah. You know, because all the adrenaline, all the nervousness. <laughs> you know, yeah. I was literally. I me I could. I remember just seeing at the corner of my eye, everybody just like, "Wow, this guy's a superstar." First two hundred, second two hundred. I mean, I went out so fast. Second two hundred, just slowly back, uh. back. But everybody's passing me. <laughs> <laughs> Dead last. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Dead last. So ultimate. yeah, I'll never forget that. <laughs> <laughs> just ultimate nervousness. Oh, <laughs> Well, as you know, I'm also, or I am currently an student athlete at SMU, and I know that in the you know athletic community, there's a lot of rituals and things like that. So I was wondering if you had oh. any rituals back when you were <laughs> an SMU athlete. I, yeah, I I still to this day, left shoe on first always. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, yeah, always, always. I still do it. Did it this morning. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think. It was funny because I was thinking about that somebody asked me a question like that recently and I, I don't think I did it in my younger days like high school I think I start I guess I started that at SMU for some reason just trying to be disciplined and orderly like was left to right so I always would put on my left spike or running shoe first and then my right and lace up and everything and so it's kind of a little ritual if I like forget to do it if I'm in a rush I just I, I feel off so interesting yeah <laughs> I start paying attention to the way I put on my shoe right. <laughs> Yeah, and as we've learned the last past two days that Nike is so proud of the athletes that it represents, is there a certain vetting process for selecting who the next Nike athlete's going to be? You know, at Nike, first of all, athletes is our, that's like the, the heart, our reason to be here, you know, right. it's how the company was founded and how everything got started. And so um, because of that, there's obviously quite a bit of focus around how we serve athletes, you know, how we partner with athletes and what we do, and certainly the new ones that, that become partners of Nike's. And so it really just starts with the values of the brand. You know, we have uh, maxims that are basically um, five behaviors that we as employees, as athletes, we call ourselves athletes as well, all have. And so it probably starts, you know, more than anything with just making sure that the, the people, the athletes we partner with, exhibit those values as well and, and so you know those are things like serve we serve athletes we create the future of sport are on the offense always you know win as a team um, it's things like that and so certainly making sure that they um, exhibit those behaviors like we do and they can help help you know build the brand and continue to do the things that are always in our you know, part of our mission and what we're trying to do um, and then you know there is an extensive sports marketing department in addition to global brand communications that focuses just 
on our athletes and uh, properties or assets and things that we, you know, that we sponsor, that we partner with. And so that team works really closely with marketing, but they're a whole separate organization as well that goes through that process. So you mentioned authenticity plays a major role in your life. How has authenticity shaped the way you do your job at Nike? Authenticity is, uh, it's important to me personally, but you know, as well as my years at Nike has probably strengthened it as well because mm -hmm. we talk about it quite a bit. We talk about it as it relates to uh, sport, mm -hmm. as it relates to athletes, and as it relates to ourselves. You know, just being true to who you are, being true to yourself, being honest with integrity and all those things. But, you know, I think definitely at Nike, it's something that can become challenging at times because there's often what we do goes goes beyond sport right it transcends the sport and so a lot of times you always have to take it back to being authentic to what that game is all about or what that sport is all about and that's how largely not the only way but largely how nike's grown and, and been so successful over the years is because of authenticity mm -hmm. and so um yeah sometimes it's a fine line but it's a but it's a really important one nike has taken an avid stance for equality so as a former athlete managing a brand that sponsors and endorses black athletes, how do you feel connected to Nike's position as a cultural influence? Yeah, oh wow, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I, very connected, I think it, uh, Nike definitely takes a stance because um, it goes, it's very related to the authenticity question. You know, we're always gonna be connected to youth culture, to our athletes, to what matters to them, to doing things that have a sense of purpose. And today, more than ever, you know, consumers expect that. They expect a brand like Nike, who uh, represents so many athletes, athletes represent us, to get behind, you know, things that are important to them. And so th that largely folds into the values that we have. You know, I think that we're doing, I'm proud to be a part of that, especially as it relates to equality and, and uh, African Americans. And so. While I'm very proud of it, there's still tons more to do. There's mm -hmm. tons more. We have barely scratched the surface, but there's definitely been some proud moments. Yeah. <laughs> Does Nike have a strategy to continue the conversation, say, after a campaign like Dream Crazy launches? Like, is there a long-term strategy for social activism? Uh, yeah. You know, there, there definitely is. There definitely is. <laughs> we're, we're, uh, we, don't, we don't refer to it really as social activism. That may be the result, mm -hmm. but it really is about... Um, leveraging sport to move the world forward and that's that's really the way we look at it and so in doing that especially with what I do in brand communications is um, you know we're the storytellers around that narrative and so largely what we work on is uh, as you guys are familiar I'm sure is it, it you know when we say just do it there's a lot behind that you know that's a call to action constantly as we create campaigns we're always finding ways to make that extremely relevant and extremely purposeful for consumers, not only meeting their expectations, but exceeding their expectations. And so as we have campaigns out there in the world now that are signed off with Just Do It, we're also trying to get in front of and work on what's next. And so largely, a lot of times it's, it's driven by moments. It's mm -hmm. driven by wh whether that moment is, you know, just coming off a World Cup, heading into the U.S. Open, heading into the Olympics in 2020. We're always working on how that narrative takes on different um, different twists and turns uh, to make sure they're relevant at that time. So we're deeply working on the next uh, the next moments now. So yeah. So with campaigns that are so powerful, um, we got to mention the Women's World Cup spot. Um, what impact do you think that has? I hope a ton. Yeah. I hope a ton. 
and and I think it did. You know, uh, I think again, it's it's part of the the mission to move the world forward through sport. Mm-hmm. Doing that in a way that is not just for the sake of it. You know, this kind of goes back to the authenticity point. Mm-hmm. It's real. It's, uh, it's what's in the world. It's what's happening. We don't do those things just to do it, just to be different, just to stand. You know, stick our chest out and say we we did something that was bold. We do it because it's it meets the values of who we are since the beginning. And it also aligns with our athletes and serving athletes and, and doing the things that, that constantly matter to us, right? Bringing inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world. Mm. It all folds right back into that. So I think that moment of, with World Cup, with women and our athletes, it all resonated so well. Yeah. We were able to do it in an impactful way because it's all true to, to our athletes who are our partners. Those, are, those athletes we work with every day, mm-hmm. you know, they're our partners. They're part of our team. And so those are things that we want to say and do. Those are things that they want to say and do. So we're doing it together. Hopefully making a difference, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely are. And with Nike being so connected to culture, would you say that Nike is a brand that is influenced by culture or creates culture? Uh, such a good question. I'd say it's a little bit of both. That's not a cop-out. Uh, because what we're influenced by, and we always will be influenced by, is youth culture. The energy of youth and sport. And so that is certainly influence that drives us. That's our, that's really what what gets us going. That's where we get our insights behind what we do, like the like what we just talked about, whether it's World Cup or whatever moment. But then what we do is we do create something. We create something that transcends that the culture of sport. It goes beyond it. it and, and we we look to do that on purpose. We look to go beyond. And so um, that's something that I think we're proud to say that we do because we're authentic. With cultures differing vastly across the world, what were some of like the biggest challenges in activating the JDI Just Do It campaign in places such as South Africa and Russia? That was early 2000s, 2004 or so, 2005. South Africa was an exciting time because we activated the, Just, the JDI campaign right before World Cup that was going to happen in South Africa at that time. And so... The brand was young there, really didn't have a big presence in that market yet. And so the idea was to kind of establish a bit of a foundation, knowing that, hey, a couple of years from now, there's going to be this World Cup thing coming, which is a big deal. And so the challenges were really just in finding the right consumer insight and being true to who they are, that, that consumer in that market, and finding ways to balance what matters to them with who we are as a brand. And, and it actually worked out really well because they believed in a fighting spirit, whether it was as a result of poverty or whatever circumstances they were in. Um, and we turned, we translated that insight into, um, and made an analogy with sport. The other challenge there was probably just exposure, just creating the right media exposure. Think about it, this was way back in 2004, 2005, anywhere in the world, certainly South Africa, you didn't have the channels that we have today to get it out there, but we, but we did and we, we got it started. And Russia was somewhat similar as well, finding the right insight and figuring out the ways to get it, get it out there uh, into the world. I think we worked with Sharapova at the time, and so we did some really exciting things. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well, as you said, media is always changing, and you've been at Nike for 20 years. You saw the rise of digital media firsthand with a world-famous brand. And what was that like? Well, it was fast. It happened, and it's still right. happening. It's still <laughs> happening right before our eyes right now, right? So it's, it's uh, the expectations that consumers have has just continued to, to change and challenge us um, because they, want, they, they can get anything. They can create it on their own. 
they can you know do what they want when they want whenever they want and so it was interesting to see it's still interesting to see the change around that as, as we're so enamored by youth culture we also have to be you know enamored by what that landscape looks like and so we obsess it every single day and it's changed how we create stories and how you know how we're organized to do that because it's at a different pace and it's through different content that serves them and so it's constantly constantly changing it's the biggest challenge but also the most exciting thing right. that we do with all the changes would you say that your brand strategy has to change to adopt to these mediums it has to evolve it has to constantly evolve, you know, and we have to be open to that, but also be careful to balance that with being human and being real. And I think that's one of the biggest things when we talk about the digital landscape is just being able to be in the front. You know, we're, we're you know, innovation is right, you know, a big part of what we do, bringing inspiration, but also innovation in the products that we create, but also in how we tell stories. And so we have to always be um, really at the forefront of doing that, but at the same time being simple and human and real and balancing those two. So being a bit of a futurist for a minute, <laughs> um, what's the next thing for sports, digitally, virtually, grassroot rise for advertising or sports at a large? Well, as I mentioned, you know, Nike's mission is to bring innovation and inspiration to every athlete in the world. And, we, and you've probably heard the statement from our co-founder, if you have a body, you're an athlete. That's the asterisk on the athlete. And so what that's all driven by is, is, is just your question, you know, many people say, gosh, what else can Nike do? But we've, we always laugh at that because with that mission driving us, there's, all, there's so much that's in front. I mean, I, I don't know everything that's out there. I certainly know things that we're working on and they're all amazing. And it's uh, because athletes from every level are always, you know, searching and find, looking for new ways to make their lives easier, to make, be able to compete more. And we want people to be more healthy, all those things. And so that opens up the door to, to many things that are next, right? Faster, lighter, quicker, stronger, with how we communicate things as well as how we help them perform. So it, the, the door is wide open. So during the NBA season this year, consumers could actually ask Google Assistant to buy Nike's new Adapt BB self-lacing shoes, mm. which sold out in just six minutes. Um, how do you feel about the rise and growth of voice commerce? The rise and growth in it is amazing. I think again, it's it's uh, challenging us to continue to get in front of that. I think it's something that, again, because it's so important and expected with the consumer, they're just going to expect more. They're just going to expect new ways to uh, for that to enable them. And so, you know, we want to be at the at the front of that. So you do see voice commerce affecting you know Nike's advertising in the future? Oh, could it could? Yeah, it might. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think we can expect from Nike in the future? Oh gosh, uh, <laughs> more inspiration and more innovation. Um, yes. Yeah, and and again, it's uh, uh, you know we laugh, but it but that's really it. It's uh, it it's you know as complex as the world gets, and we evolve with those complexities with how we create things. At the same time, what's held true throughout all these years and will still in the future are the values that we have, the authenticity that we have to sport, the ability to, and the focus on helping the world move forward and through sport in many ways. And so as we, as we hold, it's, it's, it's easy to, for me to say that, it's hard to actually do that mm -hmm. and not fall um, victim to chasing the next thing, the next gadget, whatever it is, but actually to address things that are relevant and important, identify what those are but to still really be true to, to the values that we have. And so as we head down the path into the future, 
you know, you'll see us continue to do that. And it's not perfect every day. We met, we have misses, we have hits and misses, just like anybody else or any other brand. Or, but we, we're pretty good at, at striking that balance. And so that's a delicate thing that we, we strive for and we will continue to, you know, over time. Speaking of the future, what mark do you want to leave on Nike? <laughs> <laughs> you got to those puns in there. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> mark with a C, right? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I appreciate the question. I think I've, I'm, hopefully I'm living it, you know? Yeah. This is, this is, it's things like sitting here and talking with Mustangs like yourselves, right? And I think um, creating f students, creating athletes, professionals like yourselves in the future that are going to do what I'm doing, but even better, you know? And I think um, what I like to do is just be easy, be true to myself, but also show that we can, th there's a bright future, you know, you can, you yeah. can think big, you can do things in a way that is even beyond what you can imagine today. Mm. And so that, to, to, to leave the mark on just, Hey, you know, if I, if I had some ambition and got there, hopefully some others like me can do it and do even more. Yeah. You know, so that's inspiring. Yeah. Um, so you've been here for 20 years. <laughs> what skills of yours do you think helped you maintain this trajectory? Be true, be real, yeah. be true to yourself. Right. Back to the, the authentic theme. Mm -hmm. Um, be, uh, be distinctive in the sense that, you know, um, be open to working with a diverse range of people, um, master how to do that. Mm. You know, um, when I worked in our European office, uh, in Amsterdam for a few years in my career, I managed a team that was 100% international. Um, and you know, that's, that's something that has helped accelerate my career to this day. Um, as well as just be, being open to, to embracing you know different opinions and points of view so yeah. so learn how to do that and make that part of who you are um, and I think you know um, yeah I think those are the key those are the key aspects yeah. of it yeah and just I think also just being able having the ability to to just be brave think big mm -hmm. <laughs> So as you mentioned, as you know, cool as this is, it's a job and there are ups and downs. Um, walk us through the hardest decision you've had to make in your career at Nike. Balancing work and life, you know, is having to move, having to move around. Yeah. Um, I have kids who are growing up, living their lives and, you know, having to move to different parts of the world. It's never the right time. Mm. It's never the right, you know, perfect situation. But those were career decisions that I had to make. And then in the end, they certainly ended up being beneficial, but sometimes when you're in the moment, you have to make those decisions. Yeah, go for it. So take risks. <laughs> well, speaking of your uh, family, we heard that one of your daughters is going to come to SMU next year. <laughs> yeah. Did you have any influence on her decision to choose SMU? <laughs> yes and no. I guess uh, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting one. Uh, my daughter who's going to SMU, she's also a twin sister, so my, my daughters uh, went through the whole college experience and applied to over 20 schools. There were a ton of schools, but I kid you not, I predicted that Jasmine would go to SMU, and I didn't tell her until after, and it's a true <laughs> story. You can ask my family, you can ask my wife. I did say, I did predict that from the beginning, um, but, you know, I don't think, you know, maybe indirectly I had influence because she certainly knew and knows about SMU quite a bit and uh, but it was it was completely her decision after applying to so many schools and getting accepted and certainly great offers all around the country and then uh, she fell in love with uh, with the hilltop. Mm. Well, that must be very fun for you and for her too yes. to have that connection. 
And if you were in your daughter's shoes, like about to start this huge next stage in her life, what would be the one best piece of advice you could give to her? Uh, I would say be unapologetic about who you are and uh, be yourself. Yeah, and be, and be brave. There's a, a mentor of mine or a p person I, I really look up to, Melody Hobson. She, I always read and listen to her speak. She always talks about being brave. She does a whole TED talk on it. I think being brave and, and unapologetic to who you are is what I would tell her to do, which I, I will tell her to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so on the topic of advice and shifting gears back to the advertising world, what is one piece of advice you have for the next generation of advertisers? Think big. Maybe I'll step back for a second and I'll say, before you think big, pay attention and listen. You know, the answers are not that hard in the world of storytelling and advertising if you listen. Mm -hmm. If you listen and study, really analyze what you're seeing. You know, I always tell people I ended up in the world of advertising and communications because when I was a kid with my dad, we used to sit around and just just watch people and just look at people and study people and it, not in a disrespectful way in a quiet way just you know what's going on and really analyze what's in their mind and what's going on and so that led to, to to really where I am today right of just having the ability to to really pay attention analyze it and then that that manifested itself through you know this this career of, of actually influencing behavior yeah and so I think, um, you know, if you, if you pay attention, really listen, and really study, you know, you, you realize that, you know, you have the ability to think big and, and help people and influence people in a really positive way. So now Wyatt has some <coughs> questions from our friends and followers on social media. All right. So from our community, uh, recently Nike's collaborated with Netflix's Stranger Things, and that's been able to create a lot of positive buzz about... Uh, the 80s and the release of 80s inspired sneakers and that's just one example so what could you tell us about the collaboration process and the difficulty of maintaining Nike's identity throughout that yeah th there are many collaborations that we do whether it's through product or through marketing um, that we have and we've have over the years and so any any collaboration you know is really just a process that we go through where you know it's about hey really being clear and establishing the goals the objectives that we have again I mentioned we often are transcending sport and going beyond the obvious and getting into different worlds whether it's entertainment or whatever collaboration that, that may be coming before us but in doing that it always starts with just really grounding it in who we are and, and what we are trying to do which is driven by sport moving the world forward through sport and so the process of any collaboration is uh, there are highs and lows in doing that because again you can you can stray away from that very easily but we always have to bring it back to the center and, and stay focused on who we are and maintain that and usually when we do that the result is really positive how do you navigate Nike branding as an American company with massive global presence within other countries and cultures is there is there a universal appeal that you're able to find oh, internationally sure. oh yeah I mean I think you know the the marketing team, um, the brand design team, our category teams, you name it, um, we all obs absolutely obsess the consistency of how we show up visually, aesthetically, sight, sound, all the senses. Uh, and in doing that, there's definitely a balance that we have to strike with being relevant locally. There's different languages, there's different cultural nuances, and so we like to think we're pretty good at, at striking that balance because those cultural nuances are what make things so relevant, right, in a local city or in a local country. 
but still having that consistent thread throughout. And so there are different levels that we apply. There's different points in time to do it, but always ultimately at the end, strike, strike that right balance. And more about you personally, uh, do you have a favorite book pertaining to growing a business or brand? There's a lot of favorite books. I think one that is, that is a go-to for me for growing a business brand or just, just a good leadership book. It's one that uh, maybe I refer to to answer a lot of the questions that you guys are asking me as I think about it. It's a go-to, but it's Tim Ferriss, A Tribe of Mentors. It's, a, it's an amazing collection of interviews that he's done with different leaders all around the world. And so it's a great, inspiring, fun read that is very, very helpful in many ways. And lastly, who's your favorite athlete that you've ever gotten to work with? <laughs> oh, tough one. If, you, if you could pick just one. <laughs> just one, huh? Or has there been a, a, hero, a hero from your childhood that you actually got to work with? Tiger Woods. It's a pretty good one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for meeting with us today. We are all very, very grateful for Thank this you. opportunity. Thank, Thank you. So Great to it's meet really you guys. Fun. Yeah, good yeah. luck to all of you. Thank you. Yeah. Fantastic. Hello again. This is Emily back at Richard's Lerma. What a great conversation. Thank you to our awesome guest host from SMU. Thank you to Mark Patrick from Nike. And thank you to everyone listening. We really appreciate you tuning in. Please be sure to follow us on all of the platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, at Richard's Lerma, and share your thoughts on the show. We would also love if you shared this episode with someone else that you know that gives a shit about advertising and just spread the word. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll be back in your feeds very, very soon. Bye-bye.